What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a podcast about all things Dungeons and Dragons. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Allie Deitchman. That's right, and this week we're going to be talking about party roles and metagaming. But first, Allie, how are your games this week? Oh, they were fun. We actually had a really good week of D&D games. Um, on Wednesday, our usual Neverwinter group, they have been to the Feywild now. They are there and they have learned about this large war of the Fomorians versus the Eladrin. You, you tried so hard not to say it. I know, Fomorian. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they actually learned after they went to New Sharandar, uh, shout out to people who have played the MMO, um, that they were winning, that the Eladrin are winning in the war against Malabog. However, uh, they also came with their own bad news that maybe their own big bad guy has joined forces with their big bad guy. And so now they're now a force to be reckoned with. And they're like, well, what do we do now? And then that's when huge earthquake happened they're like well what's going on and one of like the uh it's it's like a what's it called like an elder tree it's like mm -hmm. something where essentially it's the, the world's biggest tree and there's a whole city in it it has a little it has a little sash world yeah biggest tree yeah um <laughs> there's like nine of them spread throughout uh Fey, like the fey wild in this mm -hmm. particular area and it's straight up was taken out oh shit it's like on its side and there's screams and it's like and there's dust and e birds and everything are flying out and they're like well what's going on and so they obviously the bad guys from avatar came through here yeah <laughs> and so they teleport or fly over there by whatever means they had and they find out that an elder elemental is there mm -hmm. just wrecking shit up and it's a zaratan if anyone knows the uh, Mordekainen's tome, it's it's like the CR-23 big hunkin' boy of turtle. <laughs> and <laughs> I really want that to be the description in Mordekainen. It's just like, hey, what is this thing? It's a big hunkin' turtle. <laughs> and it was just so cool. And it was a lot of fun to like actually play this huge CR creature. Mm -hmm. I've never had the chance to do that yet. And so this kind of really amped up the gameplay. Um, it was really cool because they finished it out by getting it to 11 hit points. It was very nearly dead when it finally failed that wisdom save to go in my rogue's iron flask. Oh. So now they have a Pokemon. Oh, God. The world's biggest Pokemon. <laughs> it's in Dynamax form all the time. Yeah. And um, that was for you, Dusty. <laughs> it's. I have a plan mm -hmm. and I'm very excited because we pretty much ended with the session of like the bard. She went up cause she followed this jackalope that they've been kind of trailing this whole time. And he transformed into a man and he's like, Hey, I have a proposition for you. And she's like, I'm listening. And he's like, great. <laughs> and that's where we ended it. And it's like, Ooh, what is that man? Ooh, Ooh, what's happening? Spoopy. Um, but I'm very excited about where this is going. And it was a super fun session. So it sounds like it's building towards something real cool there. Yeah. I'm trying. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> um, I also had, I mentioned this, I think once before, but I kind of built like the base of a campaign for me and my roommates to play in. Mm -hmm. And I say like me in there as well, because I actually plan on playing in it um we i set it up in a way that anyone can dm and mm -hmm. anyone can play at any time they want so that way if you're like okay let's just do a one shot we're all free this night let's just go ahead and do it and who wants to dm and so someone can just hop in and do it all four of us each have our own character and it's pretty brilliant uh 
we they had to fight an oni in a forest who was posing as a forest god and they took him down which was crazy everyone was level three but this is like a cr7 dude and it's like nope they took him down finally and uh they found this tower and i straight up use the uh cloud castle it's not even a cloud castle it's like it's a cloud giant tower mm-hmm. from like this is not even really spoiler because it's like literally first three pages in storm king's thunder i also skipped it it's not even yeah. in my game so it's, it's optional <laughs> it's a this kind of quirky cloud giant that's in the very beginning intro bits of storm king's thunder he has a tower with a wizard hat on top yeah i took out the wizard hat yeah, and i've just made it a regular tower and it's theirs now it's well it's ours now and so we have a functioning tower with cloud actual steps that's physical and manifest whenever you get high enough and everyone loved it and i was excited about it so that one turned out really cool nice Mm -hmm. what about you um at first i thought i didn't have anything to talk about and then i realized i didn't do that last week either so i have one to talk about because i (laughs) I played after last week's episode um so yeah we're we're in the thick of it for storm king's thunder now like we're actually in there i I have to read the book and to to prep and make notes (laughs) off of things yeah i was talking with you about that yeah it's really nice (laughs) not having to panic all the time and just be like oh my god what do i do Mm -hmm. um so yeah i have a goal and it's pretty sweet um this is going to say non-spoilers, so, you know, don't freak out. Uh, basically, they were flying to a place in the cold, because it's Storm King's Thunder. Mm-hmm. Got to have the cold. Mm-hmm. And uh, a they were set upon by a young green dragon. Oh, my God. So I got to have <laughs> a young green dragon fight them on an airship. It's their airship. It's not the... They're know. not borrowing it. Or yeah, it's yeah, not it's on a, loan. <laughs> it's, it's Well, I mean, like, it's not... Um, this, per the, the story. Air, airship is not part of the story, so don't yeah. think of that as spoilers. Um but yeah, so Young Green Dragon came in, uh, attacked them, and uh, almost uh, killed my sister. Oh, gosh. Yeah, she went down, and, <laughs> no. and that, that was, she, she was panicking and not happy about that. <laughs> which made me just go, which made me look at them and just like, yeah, and y'all were facing down an ancient red dragon. <laughs> <laughs> really puts things in perspective. It really it? did. It really <laughs> did. Um, but they got to where they were going to, uh, went into the place. And it was all spoopy and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it ended with them, like, facing down some barbarians. Like, they were said, attack! And that's where I stopped it, because mm-hmm. we ran out of time. Um, so that's where we're going to pick up with it. But it, it was it was a big travel one. Yeah. Like, a, not a lot happened in it. The dragon fight was exciting and stuff like that. But as far as, like, you know, building anything wiser, big. yeah. Yeah, no, nothing big happened. But that's that's okay. It was, it was still a fun yeah. session. I, I mean, like those like, ones. that's a good chunk of storm king's thunder is traveling and i mean yeah, and, and where uh i found out reading through it like after they're done with this part it's gonna be basically they pick what to do and mm-hmm. i'm really excited for that i really can't wait to see what they yeah. want to do with from this from here on it's this is where curse of Strahd kind of in like if affected yeah this campaign book because it's really less this is point a to p to c it's more like they choose what they want. It's more yeah. sandboxy, and I'm um, I'm pretty excited about that. I, I I'm I think just having some mellow going around and doing some stuff mm-hmm. time is going to be really nice for them because they haven't had that since like the second chapter Ooh. of Dragon Heist. Yeah, it's been just boom, 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 boom after that. Mm-hmm. So like, it, it, I think it's going to be nice for them again to just kind of like decide on their own. Like, okay, we have a bunch of options yeah. here. Which one are we going to go do? So I'm excited for that. That sounds nice. Yeah. Well, let's go into some broadsheets and check out our news. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, and this is uh, you know pretty recent as of like you know us 
getting ready to record. Um, <laughs> so Wizards put out Fiendish Folio Volume 1 on DM's Guild. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, was made possible through Extra Life. Yay! Uh, I believe that they like converted these during their event or something like that. Yeah. Um, basically, the money that went into it to uh, you know get them to certain levels of their goal helped put this thing together and for them to uh, make these monsters. Um, well, I, like I said, convert them. Because as the description says, crawling from the darkest recesses of D&D history comes a ferocious menagerie of monsters malevolent and benign. What a fucking sentence. Wow. <laughs> uh, these creatures uh, first appeared in the Fiend Folio of first edition AD&D. Oh my god. Now, thanks to your support on Extra Life, they enter the world of fifth edition D&D. Are there some dungeons and dragons demons in there? Yeah. <laughs> I saw a dungeon. Yeah. Um, so there's some pretty cool stuff in here and it's not just like here's a picture of a monster and some stats they actually go into like the details on them oh that's awesome yeah um it's 9.99 and i believe this also goes to support extra life oh cool so um another good awesome extra life thing they do i love mm-hmm. that they keep doing this stuff oh yeah um next after that uh they've announced another expansion to um dungeon mayhem yeah which is a game that i wasn't going to get until you told me it was cool (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not a little kid game it's actually really fun easy to learn and play card game well that's the cool thing it can be a little kid game. it can which is hilarious yeah. yeah it's like but it has all the people that you really like and if it doesn't have the people you like it has roles that you can easily slide into yeah and they put out an expansion they announced at the descent event in june and it was it's um Minsk and Boo, and then somebody else, I can't remember who. Yeah. But it was a Baldur's Gate thing to tie in with it yeah. all. But Minsk and Boo is in there, and I love them. Um, but yeah, so they, uh, they announced another expansion. It's called Monster Madness. This one is much bigger than uh, the last one. And it looks like that's because this is actually going to be a box that can hold all of the characters in it. That would be great. Yeah, they have little dividers and stuff in it. Oh, I love that. Um. So the uh, idea of this one is, so the the concept of the original game was you are the an adventuring party who starts fighting each other for some reason. Yeah. They're not really clear on that. You don't fight monsters, you fight each other. Well, it's called Dungeon Mayhem. So yeah. it's like, I feel like either a spell happened that's causing you guys to fight each other or you're literally fighting for loot. Yeah. Something. Um, and so like you were playing through roles, like you're the fire, you're the warlock, you're the cleric, barbarian. This one is monsters. Yeah. So, like, they made these totally stylish. Oh my god, I monster love them characters so much. Like the the beholder with eyelashes and a bow and a tiara named Delilah Deathray. I love Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's Blorp, the adorable um, its Gelatinous face cube. is something to behold. <laughs> it's great. Oh, oh my god! And then my absolute favorite boy, a freaking owlbear in a jester costume. And his name. Hoots Magoots. Hoots Magoots. <laughs> Hoots Magoots. I think I found my permanent character in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so yeah, that's coming out in February, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, of next year. Obviously, I'm, uh, I'm just a little bummed it won't be in time for Christmas. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, like you know, they do usually announce stuff pretty far ahead of time. Yeah. But yeah, that would have been cool. But I, I'm I'm happy to get it regardless. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for this. Uh, last but not least, Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition is on all the platforms Yay! now. Hooray. Uh, Switch, <laughs> PS4, Xbox One. It was already on PC. You guys can go 
Our console people, yay! Hey. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so uh, this is another D&D game now on console. It was made a long time ago. Oh, yeah. God, I think 2000 was when it originally launched. Something around there. Um, now this, if you got Baldur's Gate or the other ones earlier this, or a few months ago, Ice this Bill, is yeah. a very different game. This is not you have a party and you tell them where to go and you choose their attacks and everything. This is you are one person mm-hmm. walking around and it does have turn-based combat in it. Actually, the best uh, uh, comparison to this is Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, okay. Because this game was made by Bioware oh. and was basically the test bed for Four. Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, hey. And if I remember correctly, it runs on third edition, I think. Um, and which is why Knights of the Old Republic runs on third edition. Right. Uh, so this, I highly recommend this one because it is very much more, um, something I think you can get into as a D&D player currently and understand. Less strategy, more role-playing game. Yes. Because I know with some of the other ones, it's like you have to consider the concept of your whole party and yes. what they do to support each other and... How In fact, I, if I remember correctly, because this is the one that I haven't played all the way through. I've only I played the beginning of it mm-hmm. this year. Then they announced it was coming to Switch. I went, I'm I'm stopping. I'm not. <laughs> nope. I want to play it there. Um, it's you know behind the character, moving around stuff like that. And if I remember reading correctly, you don't get a party. It's not like Knights of the Republic where you travel where around you get with like a bunch of people. Two companions. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, it's you going and doing this adventuring That's stuff. Crazy. But they get my favorite thing about this, and one of the things that I kind of don't like about Baldur's Gate mm-hmm. or uh, not oh yeah Baldur's Gate yeah. this game gets into the D&D really fast oh, okay so like you start it's called Neverwinter Nights you start in Neverwinter cool you are uh, part of the Neverwinter Guard cool and they start talking <laughs> about places and locations like from the get go cool and then while you're walking around that training area you find the menagerie which there's just like oh yeah we've just caught these monsters for people to practice against and there's like an Umber Hulk Jesus. And, uh, <laughs> like, I think there's a Displacer Beast in there. Like, all these really cool D&D monsters that you can look and go, oh, my God, look at that. It's so cool. So, I, I really recommend this game. It's really good. I'm going to get it as soon as my wallet allows me to. 100%. <laughs> um, but that is all we've got for news this week. Mm-hmm. We've got no dungeon keeping. We're still working on that video thing. We're going to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, but let's go into our first topic, uh, which is party rolls. Yeah. So uh, while bringing up this idea for this topic, I've learned that we might have some differing opinions on these. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly. Maybe. But um, I kind of wanted to start this out by saying, like, kind of almost slightly defining what party roles can Mm -hmm. be. Um, There's no actual, like, strict definition aside from maybe what 4E defined them as. Yeah. Um, But generally, the best thing that I kind of found or can think up of is... There's like, you can separate into two separate things. There's in combat roles and then there's out of combat roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like in combat, there's like the four roles, like pretty much everyone who's played fourth edition knows what they are, but if not, it's defender, striker, leaders, and controllers. And then out of combat is where it's very loosely based because this is just what everyone thinks it is. Yeah. It's no, it's your own personal opinion about what they are. But like, I think the they best get narrowed down into like, Bookworm, brawn, caster, face, and sneak, and then spotter slash trapper. Yeah. So, roles to me, there's, uh, I like them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just like blanket statement. 
I enjoy roles. Um, and how to apply them, though, I think that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I, I, I will say that um, I'm going to try and keep the second topic out of this because I feel like there is a big metagaming part of it. Yeah. We, that we can get into later in the episode. Yeah, we but, will. But yeah, um, I personally don't really like roles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the game is best when you aren't putting yourself or another player into you're putting baby in a corner like <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that yeah. like yeah like if you aren't confined by the role you're in i feel like you can have a better time and come up with some more unique plans mm-hmm. and on the opposite spectrum of that but same wavelength um yeah. i like roles because they help you separate from each other so that way you're not stepping on toes Mm -hmm. so that way you can be your own unique character as Mm -hmm. opposed to you're both being bards you're both being the face and you're both good at this and it's like well what are we doing here yeah (laughs) so let's talk about these roles that you've got here so do you want to start with combat or out of combat oh let's start with combat because that's kind of like the easier one to talk about now in combat i I, I can be persuaded more towards the role thing, but yeah. I think in 5th edition specifically, the you needing all these specific roles, mm. I don't think is necessary. Yeah, that's the funny thing about 5th edition is that having all of the combat roles covered, really not at all necessary. Yeah. You can have a full team of leaders yeah. and be very competent and be very efficient. You could have a full team of strikers and just murder everything in its path. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, and you can have a full team of controllers. The fights might last a little longer, but you know what? It'll work. Yeah. I mean, that's what ended up happening in the roommate campaign. Mm-hmm. Everyone's a controller. That Oni literally didn't move. Mm-hmm. It was stuck there. It got knocked prone. It was frightened. It just, it couldn't do anything. Yeah. And we won the fight that way. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, if you have everyone that covers a role, you could say the party is, quote, balanced but that really also depends on the characters themselves like if you go min max sure it'll be balanced but there's no real balance concept in 5e yeah no matter what it's going to be fine the so for people that aren't following it quite yet let me let me break it down like this so yeah. in combat like you would have the tank he's the person that's taking all the damage yeah you got the um the ranged person which is you know Back there, just pinging damage and stuff like that mm-hmm. would be more of the striker. Striker, yeah. And the striker can be um, either range, like basically it would be the ranger yeah. or the rogue. The it, ranger, it, or the rogue, or someone that your main goal is to just instill a lot of damage really fast. Yes. Uh, the, the striker, you know, striking quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, controller would be somebody who's either like controlling the amount of creatures on the field. Yeah. Or, like, doing mind-affecting things and stuff like that to, like, control the situation. Yeah. So, like, yeah, controller could theoretically uh, be using fireball, but they're using fireball on the small creatures so that it controls the amount of mm-hmm. uh, combatants They could do in the encounter. Ice Storm to where it creates an entire, dif- like, difficulty drain and damage dealing at the same time. They could frighten creatures yeah. and make sure they don't move anywhere closer to their strikers. Yeah. They're pretty much controlling the movement on the battlefield, yeah. essentially. Uh, leaders are uh, clerics. Yeah, your support class, essentially. Yeah. Clerics, also your buffers, too. So, like, mm-hmm. your bards are mostly yeah. leaders as well. Leaders don't necessarily have to be charisma-based, um, but they kind of end up being that way, mostly because of just how the classes roll out yeah. with their stats. But, um, yeah, leaders pretty much are just the, like, supporting party members. Mm-hmm. And the way that it used to work in 4th edition is you needed 
one of those, all of those four. Like you yeah. to have a balanced group, you had to have one of each of those. Hilariously, I don't know if you've seen Ben's video about his fourth edition lamenting, mm-hmm. but when we played fourth edition, we had like two strikers, a leader, and a defender. Yeah. And that was it. We didn't have any kind of controller that might have fucked us over in the end, but eh, we didn't care. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's kind of the thing is that like, I think people who are too focused on this aspect of the game um, kind of need to relax a little bit on it. Yeah. Um, I know that like um, Tara is guilty of this sometimes where she's like, oh, well, I want to see what everybody else is making and then I'll make like, my character. Fill in the, and I'm the like, spot. Yeah. You don't need to do that. Don't do not do that. Make the character you want to play. Especially in 5th edition. Yeah. I 100% agree with you on in there. In 4th edition, I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, what are what do we got? We got a tank, two controllers, and um, a striker. It's like, oh, so you have no healing. Okay, well, I'll, I'll do that. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in 5th edition, um, God, right now, the I mean, Golden Pals, we just got a cleric because mm-hmm. Nick joined. Before that, like, we didn't have a cleric. We oh, didn't yeah. have uh, Tar is a paladin, uh, but you know they don't heal nearly as much as clerics do. And, and stuff paladins like that. can focus heavily on striking yeah. or defending. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't a big deal. Um, having it there is great. <laughs> don't get yeah. me wrong, uh, but I I think that in combat in fifth edition. That's why you see groups where it's all bards or it's all wizards. You can do that stuff in this edition. I think the best way to put it is that having a party that consists of all the roles won't make the game better. It might just make it a little easier. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it might might be the key thing, but like, but it won't make it better. (laughs) For me, the big thing is like, don't let that influence your creativity on a character. Oh goodness, no. Yeah. Um. That's the, that's mostly why I'm on the side of like don't I don't like them is because I I want you to be able to yeah. make the character you want to make. Um, the only reason why I am for kind of at least getting everyone's idea of like what kind of character are you mm-hmm. is that way if you are building the exact same character you know at least a way to almost define that concept mm-hmm. because if you're building a druid that turns into crazy things that can deal a lot of damage through multiple hits but then your friend's also playing the rogue who can deal a lot of, who's a ranged rogue of all mm-hmm. things. So they're not even like in the same space as you, but you guys are both doing the same exact thing. If you feel like you want to stand out and you're like, eh, maybe I can instead be a different kind of person. Or it's like, you guys can talk to each other and be like, well, what's your path? Like, yeah. what, what do you think you want to do with this character? And then, cause I just know that as a DM, I've come across players who are like a little sad. Cause they're like, I built this character to kind of almost be a min max, like, for example, like a bard. Mm-hmm. Like, I've built this to be a min-max, like, bard face. And we'll get into face character later. But yeah. here I am, like, I have a little bit of healing. But then this person came in being a way be- better healer than me. I'm the best at talking. But then this person came in being, like, way good at talking and other stuff. So it's but, like they feel like they got their toes kind of stepped on every which way. But the the thing for me about that is, is like, it should be okay for that to happen because mm-hmm. that's not what happens in real life too like and i know i'm not i'm not a big proponent of like real life and role-playing games it doesn't make sense but it's that's i think is an okay thing to happen but i do understand that there are there is that emotion there because like in our pathfinder game both dusty and i had our arcana skill oh yeah and basically every arcana check turned into who rolled higher 
I mean, every time Kyle sat in our games, yeah. that pretty much dwarfed my rogue. <laughs> yeah. And But the thing is, though, is that I wouldn't have told him ever not to do that or would have expected him to tell me not to do that because it made sense for the characters we had. Yeah. So I think if it makes sense for your character, don't be like, oh, well, I shouldn't do it because they're so much better than me. That's not how you do it in real life. You don't no. be like, oh, I shouldn't keep working out because that guy is so much stronger than me. Yeah. I guess what I'm trying to say is like you can stay on these things, but maybe be open towards like if you feel like you're being either overstepped or you're overstepping someone else, like look at your character sheet and maybe even ask your DM because I've worked with the, specifically the yeah. player that I've, that I'm talking referencing to. I've worked with her and she's still the exact same character. Like yeah. all her ability scores and everything like that is exactly the same, but we've adjusted some of her spells around to where she feels more effective in combat mm -hmm. because she's no longer like a kind of healer. She yeah. completely took that away. Cause she knows that's covered. Like really what like, and now in Pathfinder, it wouldn't have worked as well with Dusty and I, but like mm -hmm. really what we should have been doing is like, oh, I'm going to roll to help him. Yeah. And But like in Pathfinder at high levels, it only adds plus two and that's nothing. That's nothing. Um, <laughs> you're better off seeing, you know, who got the higher roll. Mm -hmm. But like in fifth edition, like that could be a thing where it's just like, oh, well, there's a super arcane book. And it's like, well, in my character story, I'm obsessed with books. So mm -hmm. I'm going to take a look at that. And then Dusty's character could have been like, oh, I'm going to help, help him. Translate. I'm going give to give him advantage on it because yeah. I, I have an arcane knowledge oh, yeah. also. So ideally, that's the kind of stuff that would happen. Oh, but that's I not mean, what like, always happens. <laughs> I guess that's exactly what I'm trying to say is being aware of these roles can help you get an idea of who your party is. So yeah. that way, if someone is really good at like learning the books... You could you could ask them for help. Now th this is you know again getting into that meta gaming uh, conversation, but that's why it's it, the way you described it there is good, but it should be without numbers. Oh God, no. Yeah, yeah. That's why I like that's. I think we're figuring this out live. That's <laughs> why I like rolls is yeah. because it doesn't talk about numbers. It but, talks about like the concept. We have of to it. talk about that though because yeah, that's do. how people. That's how you talk how about you it. That's not how people talk I know, about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. We, yeah, you you think of you think of roles that way, but that's not how everyone yeah. else thinks of roles. No, they 100%. think of roles as in like, oh, I have a better to hit value than you, mm -hmm. so I should be the one up in front doing the striking. Right. It's not. I'm a rogue that loves using two swords. Oh, but you suck with it. I don't care. That's who I am. That's true. It, that's what I'm talking about with roles is where I don't want the the mechanics of it, the numbers of it to be what defines you as a character in this game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like the actual mechanics behind it should probably not be de like defining you. Yeah. Because the numbers of it is literally the game part of this game. What I'm trying to reference, I guess, is the role-playing part of yeah. the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, when you're looking at it that way as in roles, like, I think using striker, defender, and all that stuff like that, that should kind of be thrown out the window. It should be more of just, like, what does your character see themselves as? Oh, yeah. Are like, they an up-in-your-face kind of character? Are they, you know... Uh, one that's kind of back and away and doing mm -hmm. stuff? Are they one that supports their friends? I think that would almost be a better way to talk about during combat. Yeah. Um, 
because I think when you get into those, you you get into fourth edition MMO kind of things. Yeah. Like, think about World of Warcraft when you get into the, the dungeon queue. And it's literally <laughs> slotting people into roles. Into roles. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, saying, oh, LFG cleric. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, when it comes to just role playing it, mm-hmm. um, you know, having your role play in the party. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think describing it more that way would be better. So you don't have those moments of stepping on each other's toes because you understand who your other friend's character is. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, great example is we were playing a game. It was just me, Adam, and Spencer together. It was just the three of us. I was DMing, but I also had, like, an NPC running with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Adam was playing this half-orc who had health for days, and he, he was kind of almost set up to be a defender of some mm-hmm. sort. However, he picked up a bow, and he's like, no, my character really likes the bow. And so he hung out in the back shooting arrows. And it's like, even though he had that half-orc ability of if you go down, you can come back up again, yeah. he wasn't the one getting hit. And that was fine with us yeah. because it's like, no, his character really likes shooting arrows. That's what he does. Yeah. So it's like, and plus it was a half work shooting arrows, and that was really cool. But that's like, again, his character, mm-hmm. what he wants to do in the fight. It wasn't necessarily like, we know the stats on his page say probably otherwise, but that's again going into the whole concept of like, what's an efficient character yeah. versus what's not. Yeah. And in reality, what's efficient is what makes the most fun with you. So Yeah. <laughs> um, let, let's talk about out of combat. Yeah. So this is is like the the roles like the face the mm-hmm. sneaky person stuff like that yeah and i personally like it when they aren't who you expect them to be oh yeah like in um and that's where the role playing comes out so char my, my old pathfinder character mm-hmm. my party made him the face and i don't <laughs> to this day know why <laughs> i know why it's because of who you are as a player. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I guess... <laughs> because that exact same thing happened to me. Yeah. I have a tendency to end up playing face characters because me, as a role player, I end up playing these very much charismatic or forefront or leader of the group players. <laughs> I know. Like, even though they're literally not a charismatic person, I played a necromancer where necromancy was illegal. Yeah. As a wizard, where magic was illegal, <laughs> and I ended up being the face. Still, still to this day, my my favorite thing that ever happened, like combat, story, everything. The my favorite thing that ever happened in that campaign was we were. I, I probably told a story, but like we were talking to an old elf wizard person, and we're trying to convince them to like fight with us. <laughs> and Char has been put into the forefront <laughs> to talk, and I and I and as a as a player, I'm going. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> and I and they just kept letting Char talk. And he gave this like rousing, I guess, speech. <laughs> and like the elf dude goes, I like your gumption. And Char goes, I like the word gumption. <laughs> and Kyle turns to me and goes, You are a walking disappointment. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, You're the one that put me here. <laughs> I mean, like in the same that that kind of happens throughout the D&D games that I've been playing or have been DMing for. Like, uh, my Tomb of Annihilation game. Mm-hmm. Uh, in it, Spencer plays this bookworm, like, fresh out of school, like, wizard who's a war, ma- who's a war mage. Mm-hmm. He happened to find this evocation book that made him a war mage. He's yeah. not naturally one. And it's like, the, the 
the wizard has a stutter too on top of everything and his charisma is a negative score guess who's the face of the party yeah <laughs> and, and i do think that's okay though like as yeah. much as i'm like i don't know why they made her the face and stuff like that i i do think that it shouldn't be relied on like oh the sorcerer has a bunch of charisma the uh bar the Oh, I said barbarian. The bard has a bunch of charisma and stuff like that. The reason why, but let, let me get further than the mechanics. Mm-hmm. The reason why I don't like the idea of roles like that is because of what happened with Char. Mm-hmm. Because I'm the type of person that talks and, yeah. you know, I have a podcast. Of course I talk. <laughs> um, I was the one that always got turned to to do that. Yeah. However, that meant that if, the group was ever split up and other people had to do the talking. They didn't know how to do it because they didn't ever do it. They just relied on mm-hmm. that person. So yeah. that's why I don't like the idea of roles in it where it's like, oh, well, we're in a social situation. Bring in the face. Get, get him in here. <laughs> what do you mean? He's, wake him up. Bring him in. He's dead? Oh, shit. Hang on. I got to go revive him. I'll be back. Yeah. Hold, pause. Please. Yeah, pause. Pause. We'll be right back. Um, We're in a court throne room kind of thing. No, uh, we'll, we got to get this He's guy. He's out shopping right now. I got to go get him. Yeah. Also dead. Weekend at Bernie's. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's why I don't like the idea of roles is that like... It feels like you're only role-playing your character in a very specific situation. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. You're doing the cool thing. But do other things, too. And that's why yeah. I don't like the idea of having the roles in it. Is because I, I I want players to be able to do stuff that isn't just their one cool thing. Yeah. Like the rogue. Oh, I'm the rogue. I have all of my points in deck, so I will pick every lock and I will sneak everywhere. Okay, talk to this person. What? <laughs> no, that's what the bard. No, it's I like, want no, you to talk. No, but he's a sneak thief too. He yeah. wants to talk to you. Yeah, and so I, I. That's why I'm not a big fan. Like I, I will refer to situations as yeah. that because it's easy to understand. But in the long run, I don't really like it. Yeah, I mean, like I get that, and we actually pretty much had a whole episode talking about charisma as a skill check itself yeah and how that is like one of the few skills that is actually heavily influenced by the player yeah versus the character and that's where this role i 100 agree with you is can get totally daunted and mm-hmm. thrown out the window because the player is charismatic mm-hmm. more so it's not necessarily like oh you're charismatic you're a it's What's the opposite of it? You're an extrovert. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, you can be an introvert and be totally, but then as soon as you play D&D, you could be the world's loudest person. Yeah. Well, did you, you remember in our Pathfinder game when I when I threw Spencer into that spot? Oh, yeah. He started talking and I just had my character lay back. Like, no, no, you started. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like that happening. I want people to, to, to do that. And yes, I understand that charisma is based mainly on the player thing however like i think it should be okay for you to go like okay this is what i want it like we said in that episode like just say this is what i want my character to say i don't know how to say it this is the gist of it oh yeah and i think that's fine and i think that's one of the cool things about D &D is that like i i talked about this about in the role-playing episode where it's like if you're unsure how to role play something, especially a face character, a face type of character, or a face character moment, I mm-hmm. should say, 
speak about it in a third person situation. Be like, I want to get across, like my character wants to get this point across. How like you can you could talk it through yeah. without actually role playing it out and just talk with your DM and and I'm sure the appropriate skill checks will be called. But that's the thing. It's like that's the best way I think to get other people into it if mm-hmm. they're not used to it. Yeah. If they're not the kind of player that sits down and is automatically like into it. Because mm-hmm. just talk with your DM and talk it out. Yeah. That, that, but that's more specifically like the face character. I know I've seen several others. Like my rogue in our Wednesday campaign, he would actually accompany our bookworm technical person of the group, the person who literally is a cleric of the god of knowledge. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> he would literally be following him and be like, no, I'm going with you to the library to help you find these books because I want to help you research these things. He doesn't have the researcher feet. He's just a rogue who used to be like an assassin. And it's mm-hmm. like, but he's going to help research. Yeah. And so it's like, because his character would do that. Mm-hmm. Not because he's good at it. Not because his skills are like amazing at that specific thing. But because his character would help that character out. Yeah. So on the out of combat roles, I actually 100% agree with you. I think those concepts should probably be thrown out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only really the in combat ones where it gets a little fuzzy for me. Because it's like they're helpful for helping you. I mean, like, especially if you are the type of people that like to play in a board game setting, hundred mm-hmm. percent, you should probably look at roles. Yeah. But if you're the type of people that just want to play your own characters in this, like hashtag group of people, this is just ragtag, right? Yeah. It's like, well then, yeah, then probably just ignore the concept of party roles mm-hmm. because make up your own just, roles. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Make <sighs> them up. Like uh, we, I know it's an actual thing, but we like to have dodge tanks in our parties. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have actual tanks. Oh, now I want to play Dark Souls. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's like you can have a bunch of different kind of people in it. I mean, that's what D&D adventurers are. They're just this ragtag bunch of people that get together for some reason or another. You know, you're in this tavern one way. You just basically said how I open every bookstore game. Yeah. <laughs> you're a group of adventurers that are together for some reason. <laughs> and that's exactly how I am. I'm like, you guys are all in Neverwinter. Uh, you've been together for about two years. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, 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 I can come down like a little bit on, on the, the combat one. I get it. Mm-hmm. I still don't particularly like it, but yeah, without a combat, yeah, just do your thing. Yeah, don't don't worry about what you what you think is expected of that class. Yeah, and in fact, I I fully support people that are like, I want to do this class, but do something unexpected with it. Unless you're playing Knights of the Old Republic and you need that person who can do the lockpick skill. Oh my god! You don't need to worry about. Out of combat party rolls. I, I, I once I got a lightsaber, just broke every door. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> but you can't really do that in D D <laughs> because the GM gives you consequences. True. <laughs> <laughs> there was no DM in Knights of the Old Republic to give me consequences for breaking open that Rodian's door. So someone saw you. You can just worry about it later. <laughs> I, I mean, can I can I reach him with my lightsaber? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you have any thoughts or opinions or questions about uh, roles and parties, uh, you can send those into difficultyclass at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll revisit this one with some new info or thoughts or viewpoints. Yeah. Let's move over to our DMs Guild Spotlight. I'm excited about this one. I am so excited <laughs> about this one. Uh, it was uh, announced by the author a while ago, and I was sold by the title. Yeah. I knew I was going to buy it even depending on how I liked it or not. I was going to buy it. And that is Murder on the Eberron Express. Beautiful. 
Now, if you if that name doesn't sound familiar you, to you at all, go read, please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so there is a book called Murder on the Orient Express. They made a movie out of it recently. Several. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, they, yeah, they they made a new version of the movie recently. Yeah. And I freaking loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's one of Agatha Christie's most famous novels with uh, Hercule Poirot as the the main character, and it's, I love it. It's basic premise it's a whodunit on a train yes and i i mean this has this story has been redone so many times mm-hmm. that like i know if you hear that you're like eh, whatever monk did an episode where somebody got murdered on a plane because he just happened to be there yeah. um but uh this concept of bringing this really cool uh, story from uh, uh, Agatha Christie into D anD D. I was sold, Beautiful. and better yet, it's in Eberron. Yeah, which is that new fancy book that we talked about, and it's on a train, and, and we're fans of trains. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you can tell from recent things that we've talked about. Um, so I I got it, and I've read through it, and I'll say this: the the first thing that stood out to me, one the the cover is really cool. It's mm. got a lot. It's got a Hydro sixty. Four? Yeah, is that a sixty-four? I don't know. What seventy-four? I, I always think, fuck I it don't up. Know. I'm sorry, Hydro. <laughs> even though I don't think you listen to the show, um, but it's got that style. So like how all of the recent like um, you know collectors editions of the books have been yeah. looked like, it's got that style to it, and I really like it. Uh, the look of the book itself is not where most of them that we've talked about recently are. Like, um, it doesn't look like this was formatted with the homebrew website whatever that one is mm-hmm. um and at first i was like uh, all right that's a little disappointing but when i got into this didn't care anymore Ooh. it this could have been a word doc <laughs> and i would be in so <laughs> the premise of it is oh my god someone's dead who to thunk in a mystery wow yeah um <laughs> but they tie it into eberron with it being one of the dragon house people oh. so like it's somebody very influential yeah um now the interesting thing about this there is a player limit to this oh there are only eight other people that are in this game so oh. you can only have up to eight people okay. but anyone who isn't picked because you pick roles you okay. get to make your character but you have to stick to this role that you're given so like the professor or stuff like that <laughs> you just talked about party roles <laughs> um well I'll get into why it's different. Yeah. Um, so whoever isn't picked by the players or handed out to, those become the NPCs and they have stats for them. Okay. Um, so you get these these roll sheets at the beginning of it um, and they tell you uh, things about like uh, the – let me see. I'm trying to pull it up here. So like this one, the the former business partner. Uh, so, like, it says, uh, you have known uh, Egan Backer, the guy that died, for 15 years or more and even helped him set up his first workshop. Oh. At first, everything uh, was split 50-50, but then uh, he squeezed you out of the business <gasps> right before you made it big. Emotive. So, that's the thing. You have a backstory mm-hmm. that ties into this. Oh, shit. <laughs> you, have, you have a what you know Oh, my God. It's a straight-up murder mystery. It is a straight-up murder <laughs> mystery to the point where at the beginning of the game... So, this is a three- to five-hour game. At the beginning of it, the DM rolls to see who is a murderer. <gasps> I love it. And every one of these uh, roll sheets, there is a portion called... Like, for this one, if the business partner is the murderer, <gasps> it tells you why you did it, 
how you did it, what clues you need to watch out for people spotting that could get you found, <laughs> and then if you will do a second murder. Oh my god, this would be actually like kind of the perfect game to almost bring in those people that are almost reluctant to do D&D because yes. oh it's D&D but it's like no this is a murder mystery dude yeah in just a different format <laughs> um as soon as i saw that stuff i was sold on there is a actually the 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 one of the most cool things in this book is the map of the train wow, it that looks, looks really, cool. really good yeah um and so you have everything you need here for this three to five hours. So fun to dress up and oh, play yeah. up, and oh my god, you could do a whole party about this. Yeah, and and the fact that you have this info as a character, I oh my, I I love that kind of stuff. Oh, I yeah. love that no one at the table can be trusted. This isn't about a party. <laughs> it's about a party of you know, <laughs> yeah. getting together. But like this isn't about an adventuring party. Um, and it's got a real different feel to it, and I love it. Uh, if you, uh, the thing that I thought while reading through this, I'm like, if you have ever been jealous of like what critical role does, I think this is the closest you're going to get to an adventure giving you that feel because everyone has their motive. Everyone has their relationship. Mm -hmm. That's the other cool thing. You can actually still make up relationships. It says at the beginning of it, give players time to figure out if they know each other. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So, uh, it is murder on the Eberron Express. Um, I'm... Oh God! I, the the person's name. I'm really sorry if I if I mess this up. The <laughs> author's name is Orla Ni. Oh God, Dahul. I think D H U I L L. Um, I've been following her on Twitter since she announced this. She's an awesome person. Oh cool. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm so over the moon with this adventure. <laughs> I I love it. And it's got best Electrum uh, sold so far, so it's selling awesome. really good. Yeah. It's only six ninety five for three to five hours. Get and, it. And the thing for me, this yes. is replayable. Yeah, oh because my God, the murderer totally is, is random, mm -hmm. this is completely replayable, even with the same group of people. So go check that out. Uh, we'll tweet out a link uh, as per usual. But I, I freaking love it. It's so good. All right. Let's go on to our next topic, which we really tried not to talk about in the first one, which was <laughs> metagaming. Yeah. I have a love-hate relationship with metagaming. Yeah. I mean, I think every DM does. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's this big debate out there. Which is like, you know, do you have the DM scream up? Do you not? And part of that is almost in a weird way because of metagaming yourself <laughs> as a DM. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there is a, a weird kind of connotation where the DM screen's there because you don't trust your players. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's just like, I like having secret things that they don't know about. Yeah. Uh, it's not me trusting them. It's me trying to surprise them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think for the purposes of this metagaming, we're going to talk about like player side yeah. and group side we can get a little bit into the dm side but i i, I don't we'll, we'll see about that we might just do a topic of that on its own yeah um so i, I actually brought up the definition of uh of freaking you know metagaming, metagaming. Yeah. i couldn't i couldn't think there it's for a moment <laughs> a more solid definition because it's been around for a lot longer i yeah. feel uh, so on Wikipedia, it says metagaming is a term used in role-playing games, which describes a player's use of real-life knowledge concerning the state of the game to determine their character's actions when said character has no relevant knowledge or awareness under the circumstances. So that's a really pretty way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, but essentially it is you're having your character do stuff because of numbers on your sheet or knowing 
other stuff about the the table itself, about the mm-hmm. um, about the monster itself that your player shouldn't like. It's something when I'm a player that I constantly have to deal with, as especially in fifth edition. Yeah. I know a lot of stats of things. Oh, yeah. I know ACs of things, uh, like, without even, like, thinking. And so I have to not do that while I'm playing. Yeah. I will I ha- say that's probably one of the biggest challenges for DMs that are playing. Yeah. Is because without even realizing it, you could have this in mind. And you could look yeah. at your sheet and think without, again, subconsciously just thinking oh, I don't even have a chance at hitting this guy. I shouldn't try to hit it. I should try to do spells instead. Like, like here, here's the most metagame situation I could see at level one. A goblin's running away. I know we haven't hit it. And someone goes, oh, I'm going to try and take a lash off of it. And me going, oh, no, you're not going to hit 11 hit points, so there's no real point. Exactly. That is like, that's metagaming and terrible. Don't do that. Yeah, don't, yeah. <laughs> that player wanted to do a thing, let them do the thing. Don't mm-hmm. bring the numbers into it. Um, some metagaming I'm not too upset about. Um, but at the same time, I wish I'm, I'm not going to slap someone's hand if it's like, oh, well they should make the role because they are proficient in survival. I will say metagaming with new players is almost encouraged. Yeah. Cause that gets them to understand the mechanics. The of mechanics. It. Yeah. yeah. The mechanics and what their character is abilities are. Yeah. Um, as opposed to like, if you just let it all go to the wind and it's like, they will, they'll forget about what half their stuff does. Yeah. And so that's what, like really the only time where I'm like encouraging it almost, but you have to do it in a way that doesn't encourage them to also metagame at the same yeah. time. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just something you can do talking to them, but like even, even for veteran players, I'm not going to smack their hand about that. I'll be disappointed because I'm like, <laughs> I'm not be, upset. I'm just, disappointed. yeah, I was like, well, it'd be cool. Like if you didn't think about that, but if that's the way your group is okay, where I will like, fully put my my hand down for metagaming is if people are in completely different areas and another player is trying to tell another player something they should do. Oh my god. I, I will straight up go, nope, you are not there. Yeah. That that is probably where I get the most referee like in my <laughs> games is where I'm like, Just you're not there. Blow the whistle, throw the flag. Yeah. You're in a different room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um that sort of metagaming I don't like. Um Sometimes, like, I remember during 4th edition, I actually rewarded it, mm-hmm. um, where they were fighting trolls, and Mickey goes, uh, they, I, I described that they regenerated. I just said, like, oh, you see the wounds starting to close up, and Mickey goes, oh my god, this is just like Neverwinter Nights, we have to hit him with fire or acid. <laughs> and I was so amazed that this dude knew that, that I was like... You know that. Yeah. Your character knows that. That's I'm so happy that you remembered that from mm-hmm. that game. Um, so in that situation, yeah, because again, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, never meta game. Don't do it. Eh, whatever. It happens. <laughs> you can even hear it in the in the adventure series where like the new players are like, I'm saying, like, give me survival checks, and somebody goes, Oh, who's got the highest survival? And Caitlin's just like, Whoa, we are metagaming really hard yeah. here. And you the reason why you don't hear anything after that is because I looked at Caitlin in on Skype and just went, just leave it, just leave it. Don't, don't worry, <laughs> don't worry. It's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, like, and plus they were probably still learning. They each were, and, and that was were. the thing. They were new players, so I was okay yeah. with them doing that. I mean, like, and on the other hand, too, I remember when you were doing the Elemental Evil campaign, too, where it's like I had an evo, I had a Conjuration Wizard. I was doing bonfire for days, and we had trolls coming up on the bridge, and I'm like, I'm gonna do my go-to spell and bonfire. 
that was actually, I didn't realize until a half hour after that fight that I knew that trolls didn't regenerate with fire. I completely forgot during the fight, though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that was just happened to be my actual spell I was using because that's, that's the spell my character used. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, like, when it comes to, like, those kind of moments where it's, like, it's, it's the fun, like, oh, fey, right? Like, oh, well, they're, work to I- they're weak to iron. Yeah. It's, like... It's this real world knowledge that you just kind of generally know. It's like if that's the concept in real life, that might be a concept in D&D too, like in this adventurer's yeah. life. Like then maybe they heard about it. So I like to introduce like possible roles. Like, well, yeah. give me a history check. And well, it's like, oh, what's I, your background? I did that uh, a couple times in Ike's game in, mm-hmm. in Pathfinder where I'm where I would fully admit like, hey, I know about this thing. Can I roll to see if my character does? Yeah. Oh, and- yeah. And I mean, like. My rogue in my game, he's used to be an assassin, but before, after he got out of that and he started hunting. Well, it's like, that's not his background at all, but he's a hunter. He knows some animals. So it's like, do I know what kind of birds are in this area? Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, because do. I, I don't, I, I think it would be completely unrealistic of a DM to require you to give a backstory for everything creature you've oh, seen gosh, or know. Because no. yeah. that would fuck a druid really hard. Yeah, I mean, like, unless they start out, they bust out, like, dinosaurs, I'll be like, where are you from, man? Yeah. <laughs> if you tell me you're from Chol? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, like, if, for, like, if you have a DM that's just like, well, when did you ever see a wolf? I'm like, fucking look outside. <laughs> <laughs> have you been it's, out at night? <laughs> it's dark. There's a wolf. <laughs> that was more of an owl. But an owl. I turned yeah. into an owl. My, my nose is clogged up. Um, <laughs> so... When, so when it comes down to metagaming, though, I think it's okay sometimes, maybe. But it is a big thing. It's a thing that can get out of hand real quick. Yeah. It's especially when you're talking about, like, you're not in the room. Yeah. That's especially a big thing that people tend to disregard completely, mm-hmm. where it's like... A lot of times, especially in role playing, not even in like skill challenges or in fights, it's like they're just talking to each other in a different room. Like, oh, I'm going to pull Roland aside for a minute. Yeah. And then they talk to each other. And then there's a moment where some other character can really relate and wants to interject. And it's like they both look at him and said, like, we're, we're talking to each ourselves right now. And he's like, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll, I'll say it later. But then I'm like, dude, you never even heard that to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like it's that moment where. Oh yeah, they're about to, they're trying to unlock this chest. Mm-hmm. And the paladin goes, "Oh, I want to divvy it out." It's like, "Well, you're not really there at all." But at the same time, that also kind of sometimes the whole divvying out a chest thing, that one I can understand because mm-hmm. loot itself can really promote in fighting. Yeah. <laughs> Especially true. if you completely take out all metagaming cuz what's to keep a character who's selfish? From literally hogging anything they find mm-hmm. if there is no metagaming. Yeah. Then again, if you're into that kind of game, and I have to mean that, like, only do this if you're into that game. Mm-hmm. Maybe that might be what your group does. Yeah. Where it's like, if you have a rogue that does constantly steal stuff, or if you have a bard that sells stuff behind everyone's back and doesn't contribute to the party fund, like that kind of stuff, then that's the game you're playing. Well, I think there needs to be a an understanding before that yeah. happens exactly um and you the player need to go hey so this is what my character is gonna do we need to, can we 
agree that like we're going to put a hard metagaming rule on this. The perfect example for us is the Curse of Strahd game. There will be no spoilers here. Don't worry. Um, when Ike betrayed everyone, yeah. Um, I gave him the option, like, okay, do you want to now code DM this with me, mm-hmm. or still be a player and not know what's going on? And he went, oh, I still want to be a player. I don't want to know. So that session we came back, I basically had to tell you and the rest of the table, like, okay, so we're going to have a hard metagaming role right now. Yeah. You all are going to hear everything that Ike's character is doing and plotting and, you mm-hmm. know, going on. And he's going to hear the same for you. And I need everyone to act like you don't. Oh, yeah. There were so many times where I was like, I was just... I was the note taker of that. Yeah. And I was writing down, I would do the Star Wars cut to meanwhile. And like, yeah. I would do the, the side swipe in my journal yeah. <laughs> to track everything that was going down. Technically, my character has no idea what happened to Ike's character. Yeah. And that's fine. But for my sake, I was just keeping track. But I remember so many times where it's like he would reference this thing where it's like, oh, I hold the mirror up. I'm like, did I write down that mirror at any point in this journal beforehand? And I'm just curious. So I'm like going back and reading and like, do I know what this mirror is? And it's like, oh, no, I totally don't know. I know that we picked it up, but I don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And so it's like it's that cool moment of just seeing it unfold in front of you, but not able to do anything about it. Yeah. It's like a movie. (laughs) So that I think that is something that is kind of healthy a healthy practice yeah. to do is to have things where you call out like, Hey, this is where you need to get better at not metagaming. Yeah. And doing that more, I think can get a group into not doing the whole like, Oh, we're doing a conversation. Get the person with the best charisma. Yeah. Oh, this lock needs to be picked. Get the person with the best decks. Mm-hmm. Or if you do play with the concept of roles, your face isn't always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Your face is probably going to be busy doing a face thing somewhere else. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean that you have to wait for them to do something. Mm-hmm. Like that itself is metagaming. If you're trying to buy something and you want to haggle, it's like, well, I'm going to wait for this person to show up. Why? Because I know they can haggle better than me. Well, that's a way of metagaming itself. Yeah. It's like just because that's their party, quote, role, uh, doesn't mean that your character can't do this thing. Yeah. And so... Yeah, that's what we were talking about earlier about like well like I, I i don't even think it's that like you should be okay with that avenue not proceeding mm-hmm. like in real life i've never i've never haggled i've <laughs> no. never done that i don't i don't get it i don't know how to do it i'm i feel weird trying I to do it did it once when i was 12 and i hated it yeah so like <laughs> I would just leave that situation and go, oh, that's too expensive for me. And just if they were like, oh, I'll give it to you for a little bit cheaper, I would take that cheaper price. But nothing else would ever happen. But I wouldn't go outside and be like, hey, Steve, you're better at haggling. Go buy me that soda. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's it's okay for that avenue not to happen. And I think that's the thing as as players that you need to kind of be okay with happening is that like sometimes you just can't do the thing. Mm -hmm. Like I was listening to crit roll recently and um, one of the characters went into a store to get something and he didn't have the gold for it. Mm -hmm. And he went, okay, I'll come back when I have more gold. Yeah. But like, I know so many groups that be like, all right, we're going to break it at night. We're going to steal it. (laughs) We have to get this item because there's no other option. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and it would they would then go into the metagaming. They would do all this stuff, but it's like it's okay for things to not happen instantaneously. Yeah. And 
just because the person with the highest numbers isn't there doesn't mean you have to wait for them to be there so that that avenue can happen. I've had times where my characters would be like, they try to buy something and they couldn't afford it. And mm-hmm. so they come back and they talk to the rogue who is also our banker. <laughs> he, he has all the party funds. They're like, hey, I was actually really hoping to get this like mithril axe. And he'd be like, well, how much do you need? And they'd talk to each other and be like, well, I need like 300 gold. And be like, yeah. all right, well, yeah, here, let's take this out of the party fund. And uh, here, I'll go with you to buy it. Mm-hmm. And so he goes with them with the bag of holding, with the chunk of change. And it's all like, how much is it? And then they just do the, that's what they, yeah. that's, and so it's like, you're not just straight up metagaming saying, oh, I need this. And it's like, yeah, no, I, I 100% understand what you're trying to say there. Let, let's talk about something though that you yeah. said you wanted to talk about before we started recording. Oh, yeah. And this this is a topic that isn't expected to come up on this D&D show. Let's talk about Pathfinder 2nd Edition for a moment. Yes. Secret roles. I actually really like the concept of that because so, it's... So let, let, let's talk about what mm-hmm. a secret role is for people who don't haven't played second edition. Yeah. Um, some actions, some skills mm-hmm. have a keyword that say secret. And one of them specifically is insight. Mm-hmm. Um, so what that means is when I say, Allie, I want to do an insight check on Joe Schmo. Okay. You ask me what my insight number is. Mm-hmm. I tell you, and I'm like, four. And then the Allie, the GM, rolls behind the screen. Both the NPC and yours. Yeah. Yeah. To see what the result is and then tells you, oh, you you think he's being really honest. Mm -hmm. I have no number knowledge. I got nothing. All you know is that your character believes that this person is being really honest. And I love that. Yeah. Because I I, I brought this example to you before. Like in D&D... Someone is trying to tell you, oh, yeah, um, I can promise you I'm going to get the guards to go away. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I'm going to roll an insight to see if he can hold up his end of the deal, right? All right, so go and roll me insight, and you roll it. It's like, okay, I rolled a, ooh, I rolled a 24. Awesome. Yeah, you believe he's really honest. Okay, cool. And so you as a player, you're taking that as... You have never, you have no doubt ever at all. At all. This person is being the most honest. (laughs) Like, he has literally got a sign on his face. That just says, I am the truth. (laughs) (laughs) And like fun fact behind the screen, for me, the DM, this person is being honest. Regardless of what the players just asked me, this person truly is going to keep the guards busy. Mm -hmm. So let's say on the flip side, someone says, oh, I want to roll an insight check to see if I can kind of pick up if he is actually able to do that. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, roll an insight. And it's like... I have a negative two. So that's going to be a one. Yeah. It's like, okay, um, well, you he's being totally honest with you. They're going to take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. They're going to look at that, look down at their number, look up at me, and then go, hmm, all yeah. right. Yeah. Even though it's true, he is being honest with them, they won't exactly believe that. Yeah. And they're going to then find a way to prove that regardless of what I just said. Mm-hmm. Um. Pretty much they would take that, yeah, he's being honest, even though they, because they think that they failed that check. Yes. And this is, we talked about this before when we talked about charisma checks. It's like, it's another weird one that it's like when you fail a charisma check, it's it's not really failing a check. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's more presenting a different opportunity. Yeah. And so because they believed that they failed that check, that they have to find a different way around it. Whereas in insight checks specifically... Just because you failed a check does not mean yes or no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
like if the guy was lying and I roll and you rolled a 24, I'd tell you, uh, you don't quite believe him. But then if you rolled a three and I said, ah, you actually, he's being honest. Yeah. He, he's telling you the truth. I, well, and I, and I, I like the idea of the secret check because it can build this tension um, this isn't quite metagaming, but well, it's not metagaming at all, but like, I think sneak, I think stealth is also a secret check. Mm-hmm. So like you, like in fifth edition, you roll a stealth check. It's like, oh, I nat 20 on it. I add fucking a billion to it. So <laughs> I got like 2 billion, you know, there's no tension in the scene because yeah. you roll super high, but the DM does it. And then they're like, okay, you're sneaking through, mm-hmm. you're walking by, uh, your foot lands on a twig. But you catch yourself just before you fully step on it. Yeah. You look over at the group. They still haven't spotted you and you keep moving. There's tension there. Oh, you yeah. don't know what the DM rolled. You don't know if you're making it through this unseen or not. You don't know because sneak is actually a great, like stealth is a great check to talk about too. Because you could have rolled a five, but if their perception check was a three, mm-hmm. you're still getting by. Yeah. It's like, because that's kind of how sneaking works. Yeah. Like, if you're invisible, you can still be found out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean yeah. you're all of a sudden can't be seen. I mean, think about Bilbo Baggins, right? Like, friggin' in the dragon horde. <laughs> yeah. He's invisible, but the dragon's straight up looking for him. Like, hey, I know you're in here. Where the hell are you? Yeah. <laughs> Blind sense. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so... That I, I do like that for the insight checks and everything like that because mm-hmm. it 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 kind of takes away a bit of metagaming in there where it's like, oh, well, I know I didn't do good on that check, so screw this guy. Um, and but that, I, I, I want to transition that over into like just the numbers aspect of it. Yeah. And how I don't I don't really like it when like even when I'm the player. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you've got the highest number, so do the thing. It's like, yeah, but I, my character does not care. <laughs> like, literally does yeah. not care. Well, you have the highest number, so why aren't you doing it? Because he doesn't care. <laughs> I mean, you know that wizard necromancer that I talked about? Yeah. She could bench the heaviest person in the party, but she wouldn't want to. Yeah. She actually had a she actually had a ridiculously high strength score. She could have multiclassed into Barbarian. That's oh, wow. How, yeah. But she didn't. Yeah. She had no care for that. And I would never put myself in a situation to, like, do yeah. those things. Um, Like, I guess what it comes down for me is a little, like, I'm not looking for an optimized character. Yeah. I'm not looking to be the best at one thing. I just want to have a cool character with a neat story. And honestly, if you are making that optimized character, make that a point in your character. Well, like, it- when you're role-playing, say, mention, like, I'm actually really good at finding traps. I've done this all my life. Yeah, for for me, like, I don't care if you min-max. Well, I, I kind of do, but, like, I don't care, like, <laughs> if you, I'm in a party with you and you are, like, all about statistics and everything like that. It's, like, just respect that I don't care. Yeah. And, like, don't look at me weird when I'm, like, oh, well, I decided to do this. It's like, well, why? That's not the optimal thing. I'm, like, I don't care. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's where it get. that's where metagaming gets a little annoying for me is where it's just, like, well, why didn't you do this? Because it doesn't make sense not to do that. It's, like, it does because it's a story. Yeah. <laughs> and that and I think that's, for me, when metagaming becomes something I'm not happy with at the table is when Mm -hmm. it's like you're interfering in the story everyone's trying to tell you're interfering with the story this one person's trying to tell it's just eh. um it's tiresome speaking of trying to tell a story that's another topic that i wanted to bring into metagaming is when you're trying 
you're withholding from metagaming so hard that you're holding back from the DM. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Where you're almost playing against the DM as opposed to playing with them. Yeah, yeah. Well, not just that, but the party. Yeah. Yeah. I. This is, again, why I go back to, like, I think you should have a conversation about metagaming. And it's like, hey, I need you guys to be okay with metagaming mm-hmm. and not metagaming. Right? You know, with not metagaming. That's yeah. what I meant. Um, like, the story with uh, Tara's Pathfinder game where we all knew that Eden was a woman dressed as a man. But our characters didn't. Yeah. And none of us ever did anything to, uh, to act on knowing that mm-hmm. she wasn't who she said she was. Yeah. And, like, what I'm – basically, if you're running into a situation and you feel like if you tell the DM ahead of time what your plan is, that the DM will try their best to fuck shit up. Ooh, yeah. And so you withhold what your plan is until you're literally doing it on your turn, then it's like what you're doing uh, – Unless, of course, your DM is trying to fuck shit up. Yeah. Um, then what you're doing is just making it really difficult for the DM to plan it out. Yeah. Um, because every turn, every round that goes by, I have to kind of plan out what's happening in the situation, in the environment, mm-hmm. in the monsters. And if you're withholding what you want to do, why are you running back inside that house? It's like, I'll, don't worry about it. It's like, why do you need to worry about it? Yeah, it's like, because <laughs> now that you've gone in there, I have to fucking make up what this blank slate of a house has. <laughs> yeah, and then it's, because the perfect example, it's the biggest fight in Storm King's Thunder. It's mm-hmm. like literally like a thousand by 1500 feet big yeah. of a map. And I'm dealing with like over 30 giants. I'm dealing with two dragons. I'm dealing with a ton of stuff. No spoilers. I don't, I'm not going to mention where it yeah. is. Um, and I've got all these players too. I've got like seven people at the time. And one of my players decides to run back inside the house. And this house is made for giants. It is 10 feet squares on the little tiny map that I have in my book. And it's going to take him seven turns to get anywhere in that house. Mm-hmm. And he's not telling me where he's going. So I'm having to deal with like this span of like 800 feet of people moving from one point to another over. And then all of a sudden I have this one rogue character, not a rogue, but this one character that is like, I'm not telling you what I'm doing until it's my turn. Yeah. And so you can't plan it out or you can't even speed up combat either. Because if I knew what he was doing, I could have honestly said, okay, three turns later, you guys are now here and we can continue on. Yeah. But instead I had to go this turn by turn by turn Mm -hmm. which just made it more frustrating to me because i had to keep track of like a lot of numbers and then he's finally up at where he wants to be and he tells me finally what he wants to do without actually telling me either so he's still withholding information on his turn Mm -hmm. and it's like and he's telling me oh just make a strength check and i'm like no why you have to tell me yeah (laughs) and it's because he wanted to one he wanted to hex the dragon and then he wanted to wrestle the dragon off a roof if he told me this was his plan earlier, I could have set it up as a DM for it to be a really cool moment. I could have had the dragon turn around and they could have had this like anime moment fight where yeah. they like looked at each other and locked eyes and like had this cool scene. But instead I was left guessing until literally the last moment where I was rolling dice for I don't know what. Yeah. And so it's like if you're in this situation where you're afraid your DM is going to fight against you, talk to your DM. Mm-hmm. Tell them, I'm worried that you're literally fighting against us. And hopefully, I say hopefully because 
they aren't. Yeah. And they'll explain to you and help ease your fears because I understand that people have done that. That's one of the reasons why fourth edition kind of tanked is because, well, fourth edition happened is because DMs were out to get the players. It was DMs versus players, mm-hmm. but it's not that anymore. The DMs just want to help build this story that the players are in. And it should never be the players versus the DM. And there's no winning in D&D. And so if you're trying to metagame, like, if you're not metagaming so hard to where you're withholding stuff from the DM, that's well, uh, a Yeah, yeah. And I, I, we kind of say a lot in here, like, trust your players. Yeah. But I was wanted that to go the other way. You should, and I'm going to say this, you should be able to trust your DM. Yeah. Ideally. And, yeah. <laughs> and and really, I'm sorry if you can't. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Talk to them, please. Yeah. Um. But I yeah I I think you should be able to say like, hey, this is my plan, and not you know worry about the DM literally pulling stuff out of their ass to fuck that up because oh, yeah. it goes against what they had planned. And so we're we're going a little long on this topic but let's talk real quick mm-hmm. about DM metagaming. Yeah. So um you know I love I, the book we've been talking about recently the that Keith Allman did. I love it. Mm-hmm. But I really wish that the title was actually The Monsters Know What They're Doing Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Because that's kind of that's one of the problems that I have with a lot of ways that I see some people talking about running encounters and stuff like that where I'm like Okay, you're acting like this is the elite of the elite goblins mm-hmm. that no one in this group has ever fucked up, had a bad day or anything, and you're building this encounter purely around knowing what the players are going to do. That's one yeah. reason why I really love pre-written campaigns is because they have to write it as if they don't know what the party's going to be. Yeah. That is one of my favorite aspects of campaigns and why I don't fuck with the encounters they have because they had to build it without any knowledge of who my group is Mm -hmm. or what roles they have in it. Yeah. And I, 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 it's like, if something big bad happens, I can't be like, Oh, well, you know, it's because you are a rogue. So I need something to do that. It's just like, no, it was in there because it, was fucking there and it It just happened to fuck your day. Meant to be because in the story they were there for a reason. Yeah. So, I that's one reason why I love pre-written campaigns and running them as is is because I can't sit there and feel like I made this specifically to fuck up their day. Yeah. And that's another reason why I think I stopped making encounters is so that I never had any urge to do that where I never had to think like, "Oh, well, how many do I need if there's this guy in there?" I don't think about that. An example for DMing, like I'll I'll take it from Pathfinder, like sometimes there are creatures that are way crazy like i know we fought ghosts Mm -hmm. like they can't be touch ac no they can't be uh sneak attacked Mm -hmm. and it's like imagine building an entire campaign where you had three rogues in your party with only ghosts (laughs) (laughs) and it's like cool yeah (laughs) so that as a dm you're metagaming and it's like and you're fighting against the party and i guess that's really what we're trying to say is don't fight the party yeah like, don't don't be against them yeah I, that's one aspect of it but like don't have that don't put forth that situation where that player has to worry about talking about their plans in front mm-hmm. of you because yeah okay you are quote-unquote god you have the hand of god and all that stuff but like don't play like that don't don't let the monsters suddenly have a knowledge of what's coming at them yeah 
because that doesn't make any sense. Oh yeah. You no. you you are better as what I said earlier. You're a referee. Mm-hmm. You are not involved in this to the point where you're like, "Oh, well these people are going to prep this because these guys are coming in." Have they seen them? Do they have any scouts? Mm-hmm. How do they know they're coming? Yeah. Don't have them suddenly have protection against something that this other group does just because you the the DM know that that's what the party is. And if you do want to have them be protected, do it like in game ahead of time as foreshadowing. Be yeah. Like, is that's the, all I'm asking. Yeah. If there's like this crazy fey thing, that's like an arch fey wizard. Who's all like, ah, I'm going to kill the yeah. PCs. It's like, we'll have these crazy birds following the PCs around all the time. Yeah. And point them out sometimes. At least <laughs> let them know like, Oh crap. They know we're coming. Yeah. At, le- at least give them the chance to notice that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think we could go, <laughs> into our own yeah. topic about that one um but yeah metagaming it's a love-hate relationship read the table read the table <laughs> um if you have any of your own thoughts or stories or anything like yeah. that about metagaming that uh you would like us to talk about you can send those into difficulty class at gmail.com we might talk about them on the show mm-hmm. um but we got one listener question yeah. and it has to do with our first topic so i, I think that's pretty pretty apt and it's from dusty Hey, Dusty. Dusty! I gave you that <laughs> shout out for Pokemon earlier. You, you know. um, so he says, hey, friends, my question is, what are y'all's favorite roles uh, to play in the party? Unsurprisingly, I like playing sport classes. Uh, is there a specific one that always beckons your dice? And that is just the best term I've ever heard. Beckons your dice. What's, I love what it. Beckons your dice. <laughs> uh, stay awesome, Dusty. Thank you, Dusty. Um, So... I'm going to think of this just namely in like the combat terms. Cause like, you know, I was sitting mm-hmm. here saying I don't like roles. <laughs> um, but yeah, like if, if I was in a group that was like, Oh, we need you to pick a role. I would go support. I love support. I love yeah. doing that stuff. Um, yeah. It, it's like an overwatch where the roles are the thing. Like I pretty much only go support because I love doing that. I love mm-hmm. buffing people. I like debuffing and stuff like that. Um, if I have to, a, a tank, I'll do it. Char was a tank. He was yeah. a freaking meat shield. So those are those are the two that I kind of go for. Um, I always want to go for like the controller, <laughs> but I suck at it. <laughs> so like, I guess I guess that one does beckon my dice, but <laughs> but I meta game to the point where I don't do it because I suck at it. So there's all of our topics together in yep. my answer. Um. I'm I'm the same party as you guys. Uh, I like to play support characters so much so that I want to play strikers, but I end up playing a poor striker because I want to be a leader. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it, the Pathfinder Two game that we're doing, mm-hmm. um, I'm uh, I'm going rogue because it's not something I've played before. Yeah. I've never played a rogue, and I really want to. You and I are switching complete. I just realized oh, classes. Yeah. Huh. You're I'm... playing the rogue in Pathfinder 2 and I'm playing the bard in yeah. Pathfinder 2. <laughs> yeah. It'll be exciting. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I usually, I like so much so, I like <laughs> the support class so much. I remember playing in the level 21 shot that you did. Where it's like, oh, I built this really crazy striker thing. And then all of a sudden I was only casting support spells. And I'm like, why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> I should be up there stabbing a thing and I'm over here hasting it. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, you always fall back into what you know. Yeah. 
Um, well, uh, Dusty, hope that was entertaining enough for you. Um, <laughs> if not, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, if you have your own questions that you would like us to read on the show, you can send those in difficultyclass at gmail.com, like I said at the end of every other topic. So, that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Yeah. If you enjoyed it, please leave a review on uh, whatever podcast service you're listening to. Honestly, I would really appreciate it. Um, I we just we, it helps us. Please it do does. it. It does. We appreciate you. <laughs> um, and uh, tell your friends about the show because that's how we grow is by getting more listeners and people interacting with us and being cool people. So please do that mm. also. That'd be great. Uh, if you would like to stay up to date uh, with what we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at Difficulty Class or on Instagram at Difficulty Podcast. So until next time, don't get killed because you weren't able to fulfill the role that you had doubted yourself in. And so you just didn't try and then got killed. Oh, 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 oh,